the, the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like up. that. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing you've ever seen. Go- I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Hey everybody, before we begin, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors that helped make this show possible. First up is Vortex Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time. Uh, everything from their binoculars, spotting scopes, rangefinders, and a new thing called Vortex Edge. Vortex Edge is their new world-class firearm training course. And they, they're going to provide courses on precision rifle, uh, pistol, a couple of military tactics, and of course, hunting and outdoors. And also, their spring and summer apparel line is dropping soon. So make sure to head over to vortex.com apparel and save yourself 20%. By using what code? BOGA20. Nice. Trophy line, tree saddles. They are a one-stop shop. Sticks, platforms, yeah, saddles. It's uh, And they just came out with a new EDP platform. It's a smaller, lighter, stronger version of the mission platform made in the U.S. It's the perfect size for us as mobile hunters. It's going to be available this April, so make sure to go and get yourself one. Save yourself 10% while you're doing it and use the code BOGAHUNTINGTL10. Don't miss any letters in that. Go check them out. If we said it once, we said it a thousand times. Arrows are the lifeblood of the archery industry. Vector arrows, vector custom arrows are the arrows that we shoot. Jared and I specifically shoot the vector HMR, the vector hammers. Hammer them. Yep. They're a four millimeter micro diameter shaft that are super strong, extremely durable. You're going to go to the website. All you have to do is input your specs and they're going to build the arrows directly for your specs. So head over to vectorcustomshop.com and they're going to hook you up. First Light has been for a long time considered a Western company. Even though it couldn't be farther from the truth, uh, the Solitude system, Sanctuary system, a lot of their their, uh, clothes. All whitetail oriented. And now they just came out with their new Spectre camo pattern, specifically made for the whitetail habitat. It's coming out this spring. You guys need to stay tuned because you're going to be invisible. It's going to change your life. Yes. So stay tuned at firstlight.com for when they're dropping out their new camel pattern. Off to that one? Oh, no, that one. Just uh, right there. Right there. Bingo. Well, thanks for uh, for taking the time to, to come hang with us for a, a little while. Yeah, it's great. Love talking to you guys. Yeah. Well, um, why don't we just jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, welcome to another episode. I'm going to do it this time of the yeah, Boga Hunting Podcast. Uh, we're back in uh, your office. Is there any name you got for it? Anything like Still that? Still no. Still my office. Still committed to excellence, like oh, like his uh, yep. poster awesome. says. And um, I've been sitting here, uh, and before I see on, oh, what'd you do with your sticky note that I was reading yesterday? Just nasty broadheads and a oh, turkey tomahawk. What, yeah. are you, what are you researching in here? turkey broadheads man turkey season's coming up and the last what what are you gonna use well last year i used the g5 montec which did fine it killed the turkey but yeah. this year i want to you want to get a big old I nasty a, yeah this one's a, i don't think they sell the just nasties anymore because it was like a four inch it was ridiculously a big boy ridiculously big i think they took them off the market um but i think i'll yeah i think i'll either do Actually, I think I'm going to do the G5 uh, Mega Meats. The Mega Meats? Yeah. Three-blade ex- yeah, three expandable. Should blow a big old hole. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And what are you going to shoot, a lower poundage bow, or are you just going to, like, he goes about, pull seven? You're at, what, 35-pound uh, on your compound bow? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm at yeah. 65, sir. Yeah, okay. I, I don't want to play. I mean, I'm not. A, it's not a dick-swinging contest by any means, but... No, my my big thing is for turkeys, like the bigger the cutting diameter, really that's what you need. So I'm gonna find. I got these wide, fixed blade. What are they? German kinetics or something like that. They're, they're like this big, and I'm just gonna be. You get a lot of more, you know, margin for error that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just don't want to blow them through. You know, like you want something dull for the most part. Just you don't want to 
that's why I asked about the poundage. You know, we're, we're talking about setting up some 40 pound bows, you know, just for turkey hunting. Because half the time you're laying on the ground and you're all contorted and it's like, okay, you got to draw now. And, you know, you've already been five minutes, you know, pinned down and, you know, so. Yeah, he can hold it yeah. back for a while. Because it's, yeah. it's a lot easier yeah. with the shotgun. You just set it on your knee, you know, oh, yeah. and then you just wait. <laughs> and it's harder to do that with a bow because you got to do this. But you worked Absolutely. fine for you last year. Uh, I actually set up a, a ground blind where I don't know if like a branch fell off. But I was able to sit like right. in the crotch of a tree, and I found a rock, like a flat rock. It's sweet and, in there. And it's wedged, cushy. I wedged it in there, so then I've got a seat in between so a tree. Comfortable. Yeah, it's comfortable. Yeah. It's all built up too. It's like a log. It's like if uh, Lincoln. It's like Lincoln logs. Uh, if he was hunting, that's what it would be. Actually, you want to let me hunt out of there this uh, this spring? No, It'd sir. be nice. That's you my, know, that's my spot. It's your spot. What do you? You guys get one tag or two? Just one. One and for, for turkey. Yeah, and for the public. One, yeah. yeah, for public land here, you get one week. Um, and so one week, one tag to get it done. And the past couple of years, it's just with work and everything else. It's been you get like three days. Yeah. Uh, to make it happen, which is you got to go hard. We have we go like I am wiped wiped out by the end of it. Yeah, we get two two tom tags, and then we get a month to do it. So it's really great. You know, it's really a lot of fun. We did, we didn't film last season because, you know, it was COVID. We, nobody could figure out how to work together. We had that whole mess going on, but um, it was one of my, you know, most favorite turkey seasons. Cause I, I, I like selected two birds. Like they, those were the two birds that I wanted to, to kill, you know, and, and it took me about a week each, you know, to actually catch up with them and shoot them. And, you know, I'd seen them like every day I was seeing them every day. I just couldn't close the gap. I couldn't get on them. And they didn't like my decoys. You know, one day I'm hunting with a bow. The next time I'm hunting with a shotgun, you know, there's always a different set of circumstances, but it was really a lot of fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, you know, and that's enough Turkey talk for now. We got like a month before, but I want, why don't we, we've had you on before, um, but never video. Uh, so now people get to see you as you talk, but you want to introduce who you are, what you do, uh, give us a little more background for, for people who maybe didn't catch the first episode or maybe you forgot. Sure. Sure. So I'm John Altman and, uh, I am sort of partnered here in Maine with Josh Leach and my oldest son, William Altman. And then Rye, my youngest son helps out quite a bit with our whole venture, which is hunting Maine. And, um, we sort of stepped back. Uh, last season and sort of reevaluated the sort of content that we wanted to create. You know, we did that Seabuck series and that was really broad across, across all of New England. And we said, you know what, let's just really focus our content in Maine. Maine's sort of our gem that we really want to polish. It's where our hearts are. It's our backyard. And so, so, so now we are sort of coming forward with content that is all, you know, under the brand name of Hunting Maine. So, um, so, you know, people can find us that way, you know, our, our Instagram is sort of the, probably the best way to just sort of link through, you know, it seems to be the, the vehicle everyone's using these days. So, yeah. 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 No, that's, we, we've been, we've been buddies with you for a while, been, uh, you know, you guys did some really cool stuff last year. You're already coming out with awesome stuff this year on bear hunting. And, um, you know, it sounds like you've got some, uh, some, some blood trailing stuff coming up, which is really interesting to me because, um, so I've got a a seven month old, uh, hound mix right now. And so I'm, I, I had for 12 years. So Jared and I got a beagle in college, which was a college dog. He was just, I mean, he was a bit of a hurricane, but he was actually a great blood trailer i didn't ever teach him anything but anytime i ever shot a deer i'd bring him out he found the deer right away um my new my new dog is a quarter beagle because i only wanted a quarter of the ridiculousness of you know a full-on beagle uh and but he and he's already shown that he just loves to squirrel hunt like if i go out and i'll say go get him or if i shoot a gun he he's just like looking up in the end the tree like holy like losing his mind um, but I'd like for him to, to get into blood trailing at some point, Jared wounds a lot of deer, you know, his the blood trailing it. Like I, I get tired of just, you know, like crawling hands target over there. It, You're just like this big target. You know, it happens every episode. It's just like a big punching bag. And yeah. Eventually he's going to break his hand on he, it. He, 
You know, yeah. Uh, although I will say on Instagram, I posted you roasting me. I posted it today. Did you? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, you know, I feel like I can take it. You know, I, I can take it as well. And if you ask James how many deer he actually shot last year. Less. The recurve has, uh, I passed him and then it gets to the end, end of season. I'm looking around like, oh, maybe I probably should have shot one of those does earlier on but but please continue that's neither here but nor please there continue blood trailing uh is is kind of somewhere <laughs> where you're yeah. headed uh you want to explain a little bit about that yeah sure i'd love to talk about it um so we are about two weeks away from putting out a trailer that um basically is going to lay out sort of the journey that we're going to go on for this next season which is producing eight episodes um of recovery of wounded large game um, and, um, I think it's really the, the way we talk about this stuff, it can be one or two words in the wrong place could really steer, steer the viewer, um, in a direction that I think is, we, we really have to be careful because these are mortally wounded animals that we're trying to, to recover. And, um, so, so that journey, what we're going to do is we're going to film, we have two trackers selected that are here one one covers ground that's probably two hours uh sort of in one direction of us and the other one covers ground that's two hours in the other direction so we're we're right in the middle and um these trackers have been doing this for quite some time they're incredible at what they do um they're both women and they have really great dogs and so so we tracked with them last fall um several tracks their dedication is just, it's so admirable. Um, they, they get phone calls at all hours of the night. They meet people in the most, the craziest, you know, they get a pin in the middle of who knows where. And the next thing you know, they're on the road, they're driving for an hour in one direction to meet, to meet this person who they most of the times don't have any connection to. They don't know. Um, they collect some facts as to what happened. And within no time at all, they're, they're, underway on a track with a leashed dog. Um, these dogs are different breeds, but they're typically, you know, under your knee, you know, they're not big dogs by any means. They have a 20 foot lead on them. Um, so we're going to show that journey, but we're also going to sort of get into the science. We're going to get into, um, quite a bit of, um, history as to where, where the tracking originated. Um, and how it's sort of evolved over time, the breeds, you know, we're going to really get into it. Maine has done a really good job. I think it's, it's, uh, it's right around 20 years that they've allowed this to happen in the state of Maine. And they have a really good level of like oversight, you know, to manage this. They, you know, trackers are required to go through a certain amount of training and to be licensed. Um, the IFNW is involved in this. The state police is involved in this. Um, and so we're going to kind of just, just show sort of a, a running sort of, um, so oh, eight episodes is what it's going to be, you know, and a lot of it's going to be actually on track, but as we're tracking, we're going to kind of bring some of this history in, bring some of the science in. And it's just, every time I get, I get, I dig into it a little more, I'm just learning more and more about it. Um, I found that these, these people, these trackers are, are, their passion for what they do is just incredibly contagious. You know, it just, you just, once you get around it, you just want more and more and more of it. And hunting, you know, has done that to me over the years. Um, but it's, it's become harder and harder to kind of feel that overwhelming energy. And so I just found that that's why I really want to do this series because I found these individuals that were as passionate about what they do as, as I am about what I do, which is actually the hunting side of it. And so to get paired up with them, it's just a real opportunity to open our eyes to just sort of what I kind of call like the other side, right? So when we go hunting as hunters, there's a tremendous amount of training and preparation and everything that goes into to getting there. And then we, we get ourselves in that position and, 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 you know, James, some of us spend a whole lot of time before we can get a shot, yeah, right? right. But and <laughs> but, but unreal. But, um, yeah, yeah. But so then we we make that shot, and it's like it's like somebody sprinkles magic dust down on us, and everything gets blurry, and we we sort of we drift off, and 
you know, we think we know what happened, but then we start second guessing ourselves. I mean, I do this, you know, I shot a lot of deer. I do this every time. Like I, 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 I always kind of get disoriented after the shot. And so we're going to spend a lot of time with hunters sort of showing that, that sort of, um, phenomenon as to what happens. We're going to interview them and we're going to ask them a lot of questions about, you know, where were you? What position were you in when you shot? Did you shoot with a gun? Did you shoot with a bow? You know, um, did you have a rest? You know, all these things that we're going to sort of spell out for the viewer that they may just, you know, interpret as well. You know, I'm going to ask myself some of these questions after I take my shot, you know, and I shot a deer this year. I, I didn't shoot a deer until in Maine until muzzleloader. But it's a funny story. I mean, we, I, I, I struggled. I really had a hard time this season finding the deer that I wanted to shoot. And it got into the muzzleloader season. And, and I, I said to Will and Josh, I said, you know, I'm just going to walk until I find what I'm looking for and where I want to hunt. You know, like the spots were just run out. The acorns fell really early. Everything was just different for us in Maine this year. And I started walking and walking and walking with the idea that I was going to find myself a spot that I was going to hunt for the next couple of days, you know, during muzzleloader. I got into a spot and I, I literally was fearful to take another step. I mean, it was so hot. It was just ripped up. There was still acorns on the ground. There was deer sign everywhere. And I literally just, just got up in a tree and with, you know, I was like, I just, I don't even want to walk into this anymore. I still got an hour of daylight got up into a tree and I had eight does come by me in a single file line. And I, and I've seen that before. And, and I, and I was like, there's either going to be a buck behind them. I mean, they were managed. They were just sort of like in order. And uh, yeah. And I, and I, I knew something was going to go down and whether it was going to be a shooter or not, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, my instinct told me that, you know, that deer, that, that buck was going to be quartering, you know, about 30 yards downwind, you know, from those does. Three minutes later, the stick snapped, you know, out he came. It was a shooter. It was a deer that we knew. And I shot him. I shot him with a muzzleloader. And, and after I shot him, I, I called Will. And I said, Will, I just, shot, I just shot a great buck. And he was in a grocery store. And he, uh, he literally left his whole bag, his whole cart of groceries. He just walked away from it. <laughs> he was at the base of my tree. He was at the base of my tree within like 45 minutes. Oh, that's impressive. Well, I was, you know, I was so run out. So he had to go to my truck, get all the camera equipment. Cause I was just scouting, you know, at this point I was worn out. I was scouting. Well, he gets to my tree and he, and he comes up and he's like, he asked me, you know, well, what happened? Well, I, I still got this like cloudy head, you know, and I, he climbs up in my tree and he's like, where'd you shoot him? And I'm like, you know, looking around, I'm like, you know, I knew where I shot him, but like not, none of it made any sense, you know, cause I was overwhelmed with adrenaline and and so I guess the point I'm trying to make is every, we all go through this. Absolutely. Times, you know? Yep. You know, and I got down on the ground and we're like, let's walk right over to it. Well, well we didn't just walk right over to it because everything was different, you know. And so we're going to kind of break that down and in such a way that the hunter can can see other hunters going through what they're going to go through, you know, after they've made the shot and just sort of break it down piece by piece and then put it back together with the trackers. And um, I'm just really excited about it. It's you know, I, I think I'm as excited about this series as I am. We're also doing just a hardcore main whitetail pursuit, you know, series with 16 episodes. And I'm very excited about that as well. But this dog tracking piece, it really means a lot to me. And I, I think it's going to really be a lot of fun. So. Well, it's a huge part of hunting. Like, you know, we, we talk, all, most of our podcast is talking about up to the shot. Yeah. I would say. Right. And. Like you mentioned, I mean, you get you get that buck fever. The the deer comes out. You shoot, and you get this like you said, like this fog comes over you. You know, uh, Carl Van. Kla this is uh, history, right? So Carl Van Clauschwitz, you can look this up later. Jared okay. talks about the the fog of war, and so what he he says is decision making in wartime in combat. There's so much going on. You've got your adrenaline going, you know, if things aren't clear. And so you don't always see things the way that they are or make the best decision always. Um, and we, we've seen this plenty of times, like the, the buck fog, like you shoot and it's like, I'm pretty, I, 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 I shot there yeah. and 
I mean, not only are you fogged up, but you're at an angle and you have to be like, I think it, by the time you get there, it's like, crap, now I have to go to my stand again and look. And then by that time, that spot isn't where you thought it was and things get messed up really fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, it all, it, you just get disoriented. It's the adrenaline that just sort of, you know, it, it's, it, it's an incredible feeling and it happens to all of us, you know? And uh, I mean, in recovery has been something that I have been just fascinated with. Like I'll never turn anybody down if they ask me to go help them find their deer. You know, I just love it. I, I feel like there's so much to be learned right there. And, you know, we have, we have days and days and days and years and years and years of time that stacks up before the recovery happens. And, and there's very little time that we actually get to spend recovering the deer. And it's such as a bow hunter, it is so critical to, to, to sort of navigate that process correctly. You know, I mean, you, you've spent all this time getting there, you make a shot and you can really blow it in a hurry if you don't sort of, if you can't recall and, and have some recollect of what happened, what you saw, you know, when that deer ran away. And uh, we see this all the time, you know, people go looking for deer too soon. And um, these tracks, um, it, it's really fascinating when you look, it's all, all the tracking's done with, uh, you know, GPS tracking app. So we look at all these tracks and as, as we're, as we're running the tracks, we're laying down pins. So, you know, if there's some sign, maybe it's some blood, you know, we lay down a pin, if there's a bed, you know, all these things. And you start looking at hundreds and hundreds of these tracks. And all of a sudden you can really start seeing a lot of similarities in terms of what that deer did after it got shot. And um, you could almost, based on studying those tracks, you could almost predict whether or not that deer was recoverable or not sure. based on what it did. Yeah, how it's you moving know? and laying down yeah. and everything else. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to share that. You know, the trackers are going to talk a lot about that, a lot about what they see. Um, you know, we, you, you, you take some situations and a hunter's, you know, taking the track for say 50 yards, very minimal sign. It took them three hours yeah. to do it. You put the dog on the site, on the site of impact. The dog is at that point in 50 yards later in 45 seconds. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's just right to it. And, um, it's just fascinating to see. And so it's that whole dog world that comes into this as well, you know? So, so I, I really feel like it's going to be wildly successful because we're going to have sort of the hunter piece and then we're going to have that dog world piece. And then we want to build it in such a way that it can be used um, for other um, states that maybe don't allow um, tracking, you know? Um, and they may be able to use it to help sort of navigate through, you know, going up against some of that legislature which is crazy you know, so. which is crazy to me um a leashed dog tracking a wounded mortally wounded animal i don't see anybody whether you're for hunting or not i mean i don't see how you can be to get be against it because say you're against hunting and you know you want animals not to suffer and whatever else well still the fact of the matter is hunting is still legal so then you should be in support of people making the most of every shot getting you know recovering and you know um being able to enjoy the meat and everything else so i, I don't see how i don't understand the, the laws against it what, what have you seen like why 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 is that why is that it's a great question i think a lot of it has to do with just what people visualize you know they think of for, for one you use this blood tracking you know the first you're, you're saying blood tracking well well yeah we're tracking blood but but as humans, we track blood because that's what we see as dogs. They're tracking adrenaline the, you know, they're tracking something that we can't even see, you know, they're tracking sweat, you know, I mean, that's really when you follow this way back. I mean, that's what we're going to, we're going to get into that. We're going to kind of like give all of that stuff up, but um, that's what they're doing. You know, that's why a dog can take a track eight deer can run off, one of them can be hit, and the dog can decipher which track is the deer that's wounded and take it right through and continue out the other end and 100 yards later, 200 yards later, be on a dead deer, you know? Um, so, so I think what happens is we, we paint this picture, we talk about dogs, we talk about blood, and we talk about tracking, and people just instantly are like, I don't know if I'm really into hunting dogs, you know, hunting deer with dogs. 
or, or bears or moose or whatever, larger thing, right? And it's like, well, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're trying to recover a mortally wounded animal, you know, and it's very, very different. And so I really want to paint that picture so that if, if you take a, a non-hunter or, or somebody that was maybe opposed against the use of dogs for recovery and see this piece, they're going to they're gonna look at it differently. You know, they're going to step back and say, hey, I guess I really didn't know what was really going on there. You know, so like I want to get blood right out of the picture. It's like blood is our thing. You know, it's it's like like in the dog's world, it's not about blood. You know, it's scent. You know, that's what they're doing. And they're deciphering one scent from another. And I mean, these dogs are absolutely incredible when you watch them walk. I mean, or watch them work. It's like they'll, they'll, they'll go down and they'll come back. They'll double check things. They'll run leads out. They'll come back. I mean, I, I've been on them where we go. 200 yards, no sign, no sign at all. And you're like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just, I don't think we're on it any longer. You know, you're starting to second guess it. And all of a sudden, 200 yards later, there it is. The deer stood there and was bleeding, you know, on the ground. And you're like, I will never not trust this dog again. <laughs> you know? Because as, as hunters, like, there's no way we're going to take that track 200 yards. Like, there was no blood at all. Dog stays right on it. And, you know, you may recover that deer, you may not. And this is something that we're going to really get into is there's a lot of authority sort of invested in the tracker, you know, to make that call. Is this deer mortally wounded or is this deer just wounded? We're not going to hunt this deer with our dogs. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to recover this deer if it's mortally wounded. So like sometimes that means you might have to push it a little more. You know, obviously these gut shots are just everything that's complicated when we, when we start talking about that type of shot, but you can, you can decipher a muscle shot very quickly with the dogs. And, and I've seen the track trackers many times turn around, they bring their dog back, they turn around and they talk to the hunter and they say, I'm not going to go any further. You know, this deer is not mortally hit. We're, We're not hunting this dog, this deer with my dog, you know? We were trying to recover it, but I just, I'm pulling off of this track. And it's a hard thing for them to do, you know, to say that, but, but that's what we're doing. You know, we're not hunting, you know, we're recovering. That's it. I'm calling a break. We're calling a break? Break in the episode. This is a timeout. Timeout in the episode. And we are going to thank a couple more sponsors. So deal with it. We do a lot of things on our phones. It's just a fact of life. One of the things that Jared and I have found to be especially useful on our phone is our HuntWise app. It's the base. It's basically the ultimate hunting tool yep. set. It's got tons of different map, land boundaries. They've got HuntCast 2.0, where it, it's an advanced hunting forecast to give you specific times and days that are the best days to hunt. And they also provide a safe and social space for hunters like us and you. Where you can post pictures, share stories. You won't get a graphic image, yeah, you know, Instagram not... cover over it. <laughs> Uncensored and unbiased. Yeah, download the HuntWise app today. It's no secret that I love traditional archery, and I love Bivouac Boco. Jim and Georgia, years of experience. Each bow is handcrafted, one of a kind. I've got special camo limbs that nice. they did special for me. They look awesome, and they stand the test of time, but it's looking great, shoots great. Check them out at bivouacboco.com. Wild Pursuit Wellness makes premium CBD products. It's all natural, broad-spectrum CBD, meaning that there is less than 0.0% THC. It can be ingested or used topically on the skin to help with muscle soreness or joints. We, we use it a lot after a long hike. Use promo code BOGA for 20% off at checkout. Check them out, wildpursuitwellness.com. Well, people have this idea like from like the Bambi, you know, where they get the dogs out and then they're chasing these deer around. Then they light a fire at some point. I think they light a fire in it, right? Somehow a fire gets incorporated into their their hunting tactics, which, you know, uh, is, is, I mean, it's definitely off-putting and it's could not be further from reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so, no, that's interesting to know. And it's funny. Dogs can tell, I mean, rain, like a... A good rain right after you shoot a deer is like for people, you're like screwed, you know, a lot of times where I've had it where I, you know, I will take a dog and 
doesn't really seem to mess them up too bad. I mean, sometimes with a torrential downpour, maybe, but yeah, I've had it rain pretty hard, and, and Henry just beelines like yeah. right to the deer laying there. I remember that. Um, pretty incredible. It is. It really is. It's 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 fascinating to watch. So, my my youngest son, um, Rye, this year, he shot with a crossbow, and he shot a real nice buck with a crossbow, and. Obviously, I, I was filming them. It's going to be one of our launches here soon. And um, we brought in the dog trackers to help recovery because I saw on the video, I could see where he hit the deer and I knew it was a low back hit. But I knew 100% that that deer was going to die. You know, it was just now I had the aid of the video to, to tell me that, you know, a lot of times people don't have that. But but um and I, and I was like, well, we might be able to recover them on our own, but let's, let's bring in the trackers, you know, because it'll be great, you know, and they'll, if, if nothing else, they're going to train their dogs, which they always need to do. And it was a pretty tough recovery. You know, it was about 500 yards. Um, in this case, you know, there was sign along the way. I think we might have been able to have done it uh, without the dogs, but it was like, it was the responsible thing to do. Right. To, to, because it was like, if this gear gets up and runs, like I want to, I, I want to know that. And you can tell from posturing of the, of the way the dogs posture, whether that happened or not. We went in, pushed it, pushed it the first time a little bit, uh, felt that the deer had got up out of its bed, left, came back six hours later, went right to the deer, you know? And it was like, so like, I just want to show hunters that, that, that this service is available in most States. And, you know, we're going to break down that, like, uh, that I'm going to hope that we break down that wall where that sort of macho, like, I want to do this on my own, you know, like that's great. Right. We shoot a deer and we recover it and everything goes as planned, but it doesn't always happen that way. And it's okay to ask for help. You know um, it's, it's really, it's the right thing to do. Morally it's the right thing to do. I mean, the last thing we want this deer to do is get up and run away after it's laid in a bed for six hours and at that point, then recovery is, you know, really difficult. Well, yeah, so. and it's like just save yourself the heart, the heartache, and the, you know, um, like the ulcer that you'll be developing. Because, like, unless a deer, unless I shoot a deer and it dies in sight, I'm, I get so nervous from when mm-hmm. I shoot it to when I find it. Like that part right. to me is just can be like. I mean, it's like tormenting you the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm right. pretty sure I shot that deer. And, you know, most of the time I'm not filming, although I think we're hopefully you change that a little bit this year. But um, so I'm like, I, I mean, I remember it, but like we talked about, there's like a fogginess. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I, I smoked it. And yeah. it's like, why not make it easier on yourself? Why not do something that helps you find it faster, you know, preserves meat in many cases. Right. It's hot out. Um, and right. just, just rely on an animal who is bred and kind of created to to follow scent like that doesn't make any yeah. sense not yeah. to mm-hmm. you know in right. michigan um we have tracking yep um a good uh, right. a buddy that we know tony hill yep i was gonna mention him uh good dude uh we i think we need to be uh people with hounds need to be licensed in michigan yes to do that okay um, which I, I don't know the process for it, um, and I don't know the legality of me using Henry back in the day to find deer, but it was my <laughs> my dog. It's your you know? dog. Um, but, yeah, I think that's probably the case for most places, right? Yeah, I mean, American Blood Trackers is, like, that's the place to go to sort of collect a lot of this information, and they, you know, I, I think it's really different state by state, but most states there's sort of a qualification that has to be obtained from for the dog as well as the tracker. So there's some type of certification um, in almost all cases that is necessary. And uh, we will get into that a little bit. Uh, mostly I'm going to focus on Maine and just why we do it the way we do it, you know. Um, but but in New England, you know, we have Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island that we can't use dogs, you know. And I mean, I, I can like this this year I had somebody call me a good friend from Massachusetts. He couldn't find his deer. And he said, what am I going to do? I I need a dog. And I was like, you do need a dog, but I don't know what you're going to do, you know, because you can't use one. And, um, unfortunately he didn't recover that deer, but it was a mortal, it was mortally hit, you know? Um, so, so I would really like to see that change. I think that, you know, we're so vulnerable right now as hunters hunting in it, 
in the, the definition of hunting is very vulnerable, you know, and we have to do everything as sportsmen to kind of like pull together and represent ourselves well, you know, and I, I really believe that this is like very morally grounded. It's ethical. It's the thing that we should be doing. We don't want to leave unrecoverable, unrecoverable animals out in the woods that somebody else might come across. I mean, if you're in an urban area, you know, you might have a deer in somebody's backyard and you're not going to recover it. And that's not going to go over well. That just doesn't bode well for hunters, you know? So um, I'd like to see, you know, across the country, I'd like to see it allowed. I think that's going to take some time, but the American blood trackers has, has really been working on this for a long time and they, they just about have it all sewn up. Um, I'm hoping that this piece can be valuable, you know, to change. Yeah. Some good ammo. Ammo for him. <laughs> well, it's, and I think, you know, the the PR thing around hunting, um, you know, we are definitely under more scrutiny than than we have been, and I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing. Um, you know, I, I think for a long time in history, the hunter, the, the you know the the gentleman hunter uh, uh, was a good thing. You know, people looked yeah. upon them as like they were good people doing good things, and there were a, there was also a period of time where it's like wipe out everything. You know either you're, you're hunting till extinction or you're just the hill hillbilly drunken hunter in you know the back 40 boozing and and shooting at anything that moves and mm-hmm. both of those things you know maybe were the case at some point in history um and so having a little bit of a um a spotlight on us probably i mean it's difficult but it also might be a good thing to say you know you, your son works with Donnie Vincent. and he he made that yeah. why we hunt or who why who we are who, yeah. who, we, who are. we are yeah, yeah. who we yeah. are stuff like that is critical because it's like now we've been forced to to think about well why do we do this how do we do it the best way possible the most honorable um uh morally right way um and that's just you know m- maybe that's a good thing and maybe you know we can use something like blood trailing scent trailing to uh to, to show that yeah. hey, we are interested in recovering and being efficient and as, as effective as possible. James, I'm with you. I, the vulnerability doesn't scare me at all. It's, I see it as an opportunity, you know, to really say, Hey, let's, let's sort of unite, let's step up and let's, let's be responsible for what we do. And, and it, you know, being a, a content creator, it's like, that's a real, it's an opportunity. I see it as an opportunity. It's like, let's tell a story, you know, and let's do it well. Let's have it like morally grounded let's have it ethical. And I just don't see how people can object to it. You know, I mean, they may say, Hey, it's not for me, but they can't really attack us for doing something that we shouldn't be doing, you know, if it's morally grounded, you know? So I see it as an opportunity. I mean, I've got a lot more ideas, you know, on this, this type of thing, but, but I'd like to see the content that's being created in the hunting industry go more in this direction, you know, be, be more educational and morally grounded. You know, that's, that's really what, what, what we did when we stepped back last year and rebranded ourselves as hunting Maine, that was something that just was, became very apparent to us. It's like, this is something that we want to do. You know, we want to sort of carve this niche out for sort of representing some of these efforts that go on. And um, that's, that's where we're at now. And we're getting really great support. We've got some some other um, sort of hunting industry sort of leaders, I would say, that are really yeah. behind this. So I'm really happy about. Yeah, it. I'm excited. I mean, you know, we've been watching what you put out already this year with bear hunting. Um, how you know bringing hounds into the mix, scent trailing. You know, just talking about the. We've talked about this. I feel like a lot lately, but the emotions that come up for some reason when dogs are involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're hunting bears or you're trailing you know a wounded animal um for some reason it seems like duck hunting with dogs is fine that that (laughs) seems like there's a line ducks are different and that's fine but it's like um the moment you bring dogs in who are bred to do it and if you watch a dog do what they're bred or trained to do there's almost like no more joy than an animal like you can see in an animal's face than a dog just you know losing his mind following a trail out out in the woods yeah, I've been hunting behind dogs for a long time. Most of it's bird hunting, you know, um, but I really do think they have a place in the woods on on large game. You know, we're going to this series is going to go right through the moose season and then it's going to go into the bear season and then we're going to do deer. So we are going to have quite a bit of content there um, and it's going to be fast and furious. You know, we're going to finish one track. The phone's going to ring and it's going to be like an hour and a half this direction to another track and 
It's it, that we did youth day. This is crazy, but Will and I did youth day, main gun youth day um, with the trackers. And we started our first track was at like eight o'clock in the morning, recovered a 210 pound deer. Awesome. Kids first yeah. deer, you know, <laughs> he came unglued. He was so happy. And his dad was like, you know, he was like, like I, I think the deer was here, you know, and his dad was a hunter, you know, but it just the whole thing just like just overwhelmed him. Right. So but we recovered that deer and then we went on track after track after track. We stopped at five o'clock in the morning that night, that next day, five o'clock in the morning. And Will and I headed home. We were three hours away from the house at that point because we had just been bebopping all around, you know, to track the trackers. We got home and I was deadbeat. Will was deadbeat. I fell asleep. I woke up at 11 o'clock and I had three more tracks from the tracker that she got home and the phone rang three more times and she went on three more tracks. It was 12 o'clock that afternoon before she was done. Tired. So, I mean, this is the kind of dedication that they have and you can't say no. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, there's no, it's, it's kind of like real time. You have to be ready like a minute man, you know, yeah. are, are, are these trackers yeah. doing this just out of the kindness of their heart or is there, I mean, are they getting the fees for it? There's, there's no, there's, it's a great question. There is no fee. Um, I think a donation is sort of expected, yeah. expected to some level, but they're not going to, they're they're gonna go mm-hmm. on that track you know if there's no donation they're sure, taking yeah. the track you know and i mean they've tracked for me in lean times and i walk out with a couple of farm chickens and a, ham <laughs> from a pig and it's like that's a sweet know, like, deal that is a nice gig bring it yeah you know, to, to make it work for them because because you know they're, they're incredible i mean they're like honestly i said to both of them after we worked with them as far i was like you guys yeah. are my heroes like it, this is incredible what you're doing mm-hmm. you know so um i just i mean I, I just can't say how contagious it is to be around that kind sure. of energy. houndsman life yeah you know? i was gonna say we experienced that when we were down in uh, west virginia with the untamed it's like these, these guys get a kick out of bear hunting but they get more a kick out of just watching their dogs work yeah. And just letting the dogs do exactly yeah. what they've been bred to do. Like which the, is amazing. Which is awesome. And it's something we got to experience firsthand and it just it it just kinda blew us away. So yeah. we were pretty pumped about it. I was just gonna say, did you get a chance to watch our bear our oh, yeah. man bear hunt? Yeah, oh yeah. So good. For anybody listening, check that out. It mm-hmm. is phenomenal. That was a lot of fun making that. That was Will's first bear, you know, in Maine. He has shot a couple other bears, but in Maine that was his first bear and you know, we're not, we're not big bear hunters, you know, I mean, we bear hunt because we're deer hunters, you know, and bear season opens first. And it's just a good way to kind of like dust everything off. And, and, and boy, we had a good time making that. It was really a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. So, bears are, yeah. bears are cool. I, and we talk about it a lot. I'm hooked on bears. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I said, I have a bear quota and actually this is the tangent. It's good. Look, look at the segue. Speaking of the quota that my wife has given me for mm-hmm. one bear a year, she goes, so we're moving right now, which is why we're uh, in Jared's office. Um, the new place we're going over the fireplace, there's a big open space. And she's like, hey, um, you're going to need to get uh, like a moose uh, to put on there. Excuse me? And I'm like, all right. I mean, <laughs> deal. You know, what am I supposed to argue with that? But she's like, well, you know, right, right. can you go to Maine and get a uh, moose? I'm like, well, you can. Uh, it's like, from what I hear, it's like a once in a lifetime draw. Is that is that right? You know, for for Maine? Yeah, it's a really tough one. I mean, I've been applying. I've been drawn twice, um, and that was last time I was drawn was over 15 years ago. Um, but you know, I I'm I'm a resident to Maine, so I have a better chance. Um, but it's very, very difficult to get drawn. It really is. I mean, it, it, I would consider if you ever do get drawn, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime thing and you totally want to do it right. And you can, you can make that hunt as much of an adventure as you want. You know, you can, you can drive around in big cuts and probably shoot that moose from the edge of the road, or you can get way back in. Some you know how we're going to get in You are tickling us right now. Yeah. This we're swamp people, uh, <laughs> living in Michigan. We just, if my my clothes aren't full of swamp by the end of the day, a hunting day, then I have not done my job. Someone hasn't lost a boot. I, I last year, you know, I actually yeah. recorded this video. <laughs> I never actually posted it, Jared. You were given. I feel we were going out. You're like, I had hip boots on, not waders. Oh yeah. And you're like, man, 
that's not going to cut it. And I'm like, no, dude, you know, I'll be smart. I'll walk on the clumps. And if I sink in, well, like we literally have this conversation. You have to leave. That was actually the day before you got COVID when we did that hunting trip. Ah, I'm I remember like, well, that hunt. I'm out. I might as well. I'm going to go scout out this another, another spot, but I got to go through some swamp to get there. So I walk in and like 10 feet into the swamp, I am up to my nips <laughs> in just muck. You know, I go right in the duck moss or whatever that oh, stuff yeah. is. Yep. I'm covered in it. And I record a video just stuck in uh, and I never post. I don't know what I did with I it. It was like basically it? like I'm eating crow right now. Jared, you were right. You know, it's usually the, the scenario. That's usually about how it's it usually how it goes. <laughs> so no, no moon, uh, a main moose hunting. Uh, I mean, we should still probably start applying at least. It'd be sweet. On one more, Coast. one more thing to apply to. You know what I mean? They add up. We got all these ideas. Yeah. Well, I think as, as an out of stater, you can buy additional chances. So it's kind of how much you want to muckle up to, you know, like you can, you can buy more chances than one. Um, as an in-stater, you know, we only can apply just once, you know, um, but I think they give, you know, the whole ratio thing, they give more in-state than out-of-state. So they, they, they've balanced that all out, but boy, it's a tough one. You know, it's a tough one to get drawn for. Yeah. Yeah. So that spot may be bare for a little while. So maybe you put something else there. <laughs> I know. We're trying. Know. It's, you know, a lot of my walls are bare. So, I mean, it's not going to be that far out of, out of the question. I'll, I'll go to Canada or hey. something. Canada has moose. Yeah, or Alaska moose. But, you know, I mean, you know, those, they come with a huge price tag, you know. Oh, yeah. And it's like, Jared, you know, I'm I mean, you can, come, you, can, you can come do it in Maine. You can do it pretty reasonable. You just got to get that tag, you know. So, yeah. I'm pretty lucky. I, we, we do, so oh, yeah. we Here do we go. regular betting, like, like two, one, two dollars or whatever on games. I, I've been good. I've been hot this year. You have been on a hot streak. I've been on a hot streak. So I think I, I think I have to put in, just keep rolling. He let also, that, let it roll. a couple of years ago, there's a local car dealership that during the Super Bowl, um, you would just pick one team, right? Either a team A or team B. If your team won, you got thrown into a raffle to win a brand new Subaru Forester, uh, for, Subaru Forester. Yep. So I saw the I saw the commercial. Saw I saw the commercial, and I'm like, I ain't gonna do that. That's stupid. Lo and behold, James goes ahead and enters into this contest and wins the freaking car. Yeah. No way. Yeah. One wow. of thirty-two thousand. Yeah. So like, I feel like those odds are way lower than than a moose so draw. I, yeah, I feel like we're doing pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I'm lucky, man. Huh. I'm like Midas. Everything you're, I touch turns you're to gold. Just like my lucky rabbit's foot, I just take everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Once in a while, it falls off. You got to tie it back on. Yeah, or just get a new rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> man, that rabbit's only got like two feet left at this point. I don't yep. know how you catch him every time. It gets easier every time. So, well, um, John, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, you have these new things coming out. Anything else you want to tell people ab- about or where they can find you? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have episodes from 2020 that are going to start sort of coming through. Um, we're working with a company down in Boston, which helped us rebrand and is helping us with a lot of video production, pilot studios. And I just, you know, I can't be more happy with them. You know, they just have been so great for us. They, they bring a level of professionalism that, you know, we just... You know, I, I say to people all the time, you know, we're be- our time is best spent in the tree. You know, that's really what we're good at. Um, so, so I'm really, really happy to be partnered with them. And um, we have, you know, we have our YouTube channel up now. Um, a lot of our content is there and we'll continue to land there. Um, we have some great partnerships going forward for the 21 season that will become sort of obvious as time goes on as how this content comes out. So, so we're really happy there too. And I think, I think our Instagram, you know, um, hunting main official is really the place to go to sort of see what's current, what's happening. You can link through, we always run a link tree so you can jump around and see our stuff. And, um, that, that's sort of, that's our game right now. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're going to need to have you back, um, again before fall. Uh, I want to talk trail cams with you. You and I have been talking a little oh, bit yeah. off there. Oh, yeah. I've got a lot to say about trail cams. I know. I'm we excited. have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to make that happen because I've been, I haven't even told you about these no, you haven't. yet. So, uh, exciting stuff. So, that's like the spoiler for any, or not a spoiler, like a teaser. A teaser. For anybody listening, just stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have John back 
to talk trail cameras. And John, I got to give you the award for best um, ambiance going on. Oh, yeah, you, it you is got, the yeah. New England background is. You've got really a couple nice. of shoulder mounts. You've got some some sheds on a table. You got the roaring fire going. Like this, this is yeah, a beautiful right. scene can, we've been looking at. You can see a good bit of scenery there. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, yesterday, yesterday in Maine, it was like it was blowing like forty five miles an hour, and it was like twenty below zero. Oh, so man. you know, it's like it's today is a little better, but like I, I figured, you know, I'm just gonna be here. I'm gonna have a fire, and I'm gonna relax. Yeah. A <laughs> I respect it. That's a so, smart that's call. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm getting the kudos on that one. You get the kudos on that latest launch that you guys just did on choosing a bow. Yeah. I've got to say that is absolutely stellar. You Thank you. Work, that. Thank you. Yeah. That's, have you uh, done this? You must have done this before. I'm, I'm not going to toot my horn, but uh, that was my first one. Well, no. You've, yeah. done, you've done other videos. I've, I've done a, a saddle hunting basics video, but nothing extensive. He's a nat- we, That's why we call him the natural around here. Yeah, I, I would say you're a natural. It's really good. Thank it's you. Really good. Yep. Really pop. That is uh, step one of five. So we've got a couple more coming out. Is it one a week, or what's your plan for that? I, obviously, I can't fit five into a four week plan. Four day, or a four week plan. Yeah. Again. So I'll have to double up on one of those weeks, or we'll we'll split it up somehow. But either stay way, tuned for those. Uh, spoiler though, at the end, Jared does pick a bow. Right. I do pick one, so. but I don't say which one it is. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I never reveal it, but All you'll, you'll have to figure good. it out. I think you can expect within about two weeks we ought to have that bear, that dog tracking trailer up, which awesome. will sort of pave the way for the series that's going to come out. So we're pretty excited about that. And then and then we'll be bringing other episodes forward. You know, Will shot a great buck. Yeah, Josh shot a great buck. Rye shot a great buck. I shot a great buck. So it's like you know, we're all that stuff's coming out. You awesome. Know? And um, it's just it's in it's in the uh, we call it it's in the pipe. You know? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just, it's coming in. The hard part. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. All right. Well, thank you again. We'll uh we'll we'll be in touch real soon to do that uh trail cam episode. Okay. Thanks. All right. That's okay. awesome, guys. Thanks yep. a lot. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to. Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Volga Hunting. Join us next week and we'll see you then.